Welcome to Mondays with Matt, with Matt Starkey. Start each week fresh with sound financial advice. Grab your coffee and maybe a pen. It's time to kick off your week with Matt. Back for another edition of Mondays with Matt, with Matt Starkey and myself talking investing, finance, retirement, and common housing questions for retirees. You know, housing is a really important topic for a lot of us. Obviously, it's maybe the biggest asset or one of the biggest assets we'll ever own or manage. So that's what we're going to get into this week on the podcast. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Hey, Mark. I'm doing well. How are you today? Doing pretty good. Hanging in there. Do you get a lot of questions about the uh, about the homestead? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. We get a lot of questions. In fact, I like to get these questions before you do anything or pull any pull the trigger and make any purchases. So this is a good a good topic for us to probe and discover because there are a lot of changes, believe it or not, while you're when you're in retirement. And I think this is going to be helpful for a lot of you, you know, whether they are talking about interest rates or right. moves that we should make or shouldn't make. So yep, yeah, exactly. I'm excited about it. We're good. Well, actually, yeah, let's start right there. Because of the interest rates being so low, now the Fed has already started to tick them up. We are into April. Obviously, we're at the end of April here at the time we're dropping this yep. podcast. And they've already made one move. Uh, they may have made another one before we actually drop this. I don't think they will, but they may have. But either way, they've talked about doing three to five or you know four to six more moves uh, tickups in the rate throughout the year. So while rates are still, you know, relatively low, people are saying, "Hey, you know, if I've got a low mortgage rate, should I just pay the, you know, the payment each month because it's I'm not being charged very much money, or should I pay the house off if I have the funds to do so?" That's so it's always that age-old question of pay the house off or keep paying the mortgage. Yeah, this is a great question. Um and I think we have to take a look at this um from couple of perspectives. You you want to know obviously how much the balance that you're refinancing is. Because the bigger the balance, the more that interest rate makes a difference. Um, And then with the rates being low, if you did get lucky and refinance here near the bottom, as we noticed in the last couple of years, the stock market has done phenomenal. Um, And if you had money invested in your portfolio, a lot of times leaving the money there is going to be better for you if you have an ultra low interest rate on the mortgage. But again, it depends on the balance. And is the mortgage the last thing that you're paying off yeah. uh, before we can retire? So I had uh, somebody just the other day that had a very minimal balance on the mortgage, just about uh, as much as they owed on their vehicle. You know, My advice to her was, why don't you just pay that off? But we, we weren't necessarily pulling money out of, the, out of the market. She had some excess cash. So, gotcha. That made sense then. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but, but it also works towards the goal of retirement, having no debt, because when you can retire debt-free with no mortgage in place, then it makes a lot of sense because you've just limited how much you need for your monthly cash flow right. to survive. And a lot of times when, when you get rid of that mortgage payment, it's it's a big deal for a lot of families. Well, there, there's um, that- got a lot of disposable income. Now. Yeah. There's the, head, there's the head rule, right? And the tummy rule with this one. You know the the head rule being <laughs> right. being the math, right? What's the math and the logic uh, uh-huh. of the plan? What makes the most sense? And then there's a tummy rule of okay, fine. There's the math, but I just want to get this thing off my head so I can sleep better. So, yeah. So it kind of plays into both of those sides of the equation. Yeah. But um, yeah. If you want to pay your house off as quickly as possible, sometimes that's a good thing. Uh, you know, like I said, if you if you're if that's going to be bothersome to you and you like you said you can't sleep at night. Definitely, we should focus on doing that. Yeah. Um, but you got. But you know, I always say, ask an advisor, get some counsel because oh, of course. you know we don't always see things 
perfectly. Um, I had a, a situation, and I, I won't make this a long story, but a, a gal came in after her husband passed away. And her husband, uh, the, the, she was not a client yet, and uh, husband had said, well, use, use that life insurance money to fix up the house. Well, that's what she did. And then he had a, a, a fairly large IRA. She wanted to pay off that mortgage. And by the time she came and saw me, all the life insurance money had been spent fixing up the house. And she went to, wanted to pay off this big chunk of mortgage. But I'm like, this is all going to be taxable. So if, you, if you're talking about six figures uh, paying off that mortgage with this IRA, I don't necessarily recommend that because you got to pull the money out. You have to pay tax. You're bumping your income way high, paying tax on that money just to pay the house off. Um, I would, in, in, in that kind of a scenario, then it may not make sense to pay a bunch of taxes now to pay off the house. You might better just pay some chunks down on it and, yep. and pay it down as you go. So okay. it really depends on how much you have sitting around and what that's going to do for you. Look, somebody's calling you right now while we're doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> They they were Thank so you. they were so interested in that, that conversation. They called right then. They're so attentive. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's stick with the, um, the the interest rates and stuff right this minute, Matt. So I'm going to jump to the third one actually on my list. So with the uh, interest rates ticking up, you know, some people think, hey, well, a home equity line is a good place to borrow money for those major purchases. You know, like replacing a roof or, or whatever the case might be. But with the rates ticking up. Then you know that's going to make the borrowing a little bit, you know, a little less attractive. So, what's your stance when it comes to using a home equity line as a way to do things? Would you rather see people planning a little ahead of time? And I don't mean like the roof damage due to a storm, right? That that's probably the emergency fund. But like, if yep. you know that your roof is, you know, twenty years old before you get to retirement, and at some point in retirement you're going to have to replace it, should you be planning for that and strategizing a different way, or is a home equity line okay? I think. In some cases, both are okay. I always like to see people debt-free um, just because it it's like you're walking around with shackles on if you have debts that you have to continue to pay other people interest on the money. Right. Um, if you can do it out of pocket, if you can do it debt-free, that's always preferable. Um, I don't see anything wrong with the home equity line of credit. If your house is paid off, that can be a lot cheaper way to borrow money. In fact, I actually... <laughs> made that recommendation to somebody recently. They had a good amount of equity in their home, but they did a roof loan and they had like $28,000 on a roof loan where they were carrying this balance at, I don't know, it's six or 7% or even maybe it was even higher than that. And I said, look, their house is financed at a low rate. I just said, you know, go to the, to the bank and, and get a home equity line of credit. Usually they're going to charge you a percent over prime and uh, carry that'll allow you to pay off that high, high interest rate roof and um, pay it off a lot faster because yeah. you'll be paying really lower interest. Usually it's within a point over prime, these home equity lines go. So, um, so anyway, that can be okay if you got equity in your house and you prefer not to tap into these, you know, you should have that emergency fund. If you don't have the extra cash, a home equity line of credit can be a, a a good way to have something open just in case, but be careful if you if you have behavior issues, <laughs> meaning you know you got credit and you're going to spend on it. AKA, are you it. spend happy? Is that what you have? Your little are you yeah spend, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> you you don't want to open that because that's going to be a source Temptation. of pain for you. Yeah. Because it's going to you're going to say, oh, we can just put it on the home equity line, or oh, we we want a side by side for ten grand. Oh yeah, let's ride around our yard in a side by side and. Let's let's take a loan against the house for it. No, that's not a good idea. 
because now you're risking something that you had paid off just okay. just to have fun. So well, I don't like that idea. Yeah, let's let's continue with the risk conversation then, because I've got some good stuff on here I want to address. Um, okay. So people signing over the house that becomes another question: Should I sign the house over to the kids so that I'm not forced to sell it or something due to I don't know a medical event or or whatever? We get these questions a lot, and there's definitely some this, – this requires some serious thought because there's a lot of uh, potential downfalls to doing this, yeah? Yes. Very rarely will I make a recommendation to sign your house over to your kids. This is kind of bordering on the line of legal advice too, so um, I, I'm not giving you legal advice here. As the disclosure in our podcast goes, we don't give tax advice or anything like that, but um, not in the podcast. But um, a lot of times what I'll end up doing is if you want to – avoid the nursing home and needing nursing home care. If you're concerned about those costs and getting the house out of your name, maybe meet with a qualified uh, elder care attorney. And often what they'll do is instead of putting your kids, uh, signing it over to them necessarily right now, they'll prepare a trust, maybe an irrevocable trust, or they'll have you sign uh, a lot of times what's called a ladybird deed. Those mm-hmm. are, those are effective in Michigan where you can name who's going to get your home, but you still have the ability to pull back and make make a change to that deed gotcha. if you're alive and well, healthy, and and things like that. So, um, yep, there's there's good ways to do that, but I would refer that to an attorney um, and make sure that you're talking to somebody that specializes in elder care or elder law. If you need some names, give me a call. Again, we're here to consult with you. Uh, we can talk through a lot of these situations well before you're paying additional funds for somebody by the hour to uh, tell you. Yeah, and Matt, what, some of the big ones, right, is like the federal look, like the look back thing, the provision, right? So if you try to sign your house over because you're thinking you don't want the nursing home to take it, right? There's a five year yeah. look back. They they're going to go check that, and if they see yeah. that you're trying to pull a fast one, they're going to get you. Yeah. So um, that's correct. And so if uh, that five-year look-back period will will take effect whether you're deeding it to your kids or a, a living trust right, or, or whatever, you right, know, yeah. doing, doing it, whatever. Now, if you use an irrevocable trust, then I think that's one of the ways most attorneys will uh, will set that up mm-hmm. is you'll go into an irrevocable trust and then it cannot be touched uh, at all. Of course, you can't change the who you've gifted it to. You can't touch it again once it's in that irrevocable right, trust. Right, it's the trust, yeah. So, I mean, yep. and, and then if you're thinking about like little things that can be an issue too with just deeding it over to the kids – you know, not to say that it's gonna could happen, but what if they were in a car accident of their own? Well, it's no longer your property, right? Because you've deeded it to them, and if they get sued and, and they take that, and that's like a second house listed because they've got their primary, they could lose that house, which is the house you live in, right? As mom and dad. So there's just a lot of reasons why you may not want to consider signing it over to a family member. Uh, it's yeah. definitely something to talk to an attorney about, and a lot of times a very last resort. Yeah. To that point, Mark, um, that's that's a good point. And I always bring that up with clients too, is um, instead of making your kids joint owner on your property or on, on your bank accounts or anything like that, mm-hmm. put them on there as a TOD, transfer on death to the kids, yeah. uh, or make them a beneficiary on those investment accounts, but don't put your name jointly. And the reason being is, number one, if, if you're on an asset that's appreciated, and like you said, they get in a car accident, or they get a divorce. They get sued. Or yeah, whatever. They yeah. get they get sued. Now they're sitting down for a deposition with the attorney, saying, "Okay, give me all your assets and what right. your name is on." And it's like, "Oh, yeah, you don't need two half, houses." Yeah, 
half of my mom's 250,000 in the bank though. That's mom's money. No, your name's on it. Yep. That give half it. of that's yours, yep. you know. Give it over. So now now you just you cut your retirement in half because you did something stupid like putting your kid's name on your asset. So yeah. <laughs> So that's why we say cover your asset. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, all right. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, so well, speaking of the kids in the house, Matt, let's do another one here. Um, complications that you've seen or, or how to avoid that when it comes to estate planning. Because like for me and my wife, it's going to be pretty easy. We have one kid, so there's nobody to fight, right? But people always say, well, my kids won't fight. They're great kids. Look, you, Matt, you've been doing this long enough to know that money makes people get weird. And, uh, you know, even the most loving families can get, you know, nitpicky and, and <laughs> angry with each other. And things can get ugly if you don't have a, a good estate plan spelled out. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, two things come to mind here. Number one is the legal aspect of it, just dividing assets amongst people. Um, and if your kids get along and they're very good, um, that's great. Hopefully you're all in that position and nobody would fight ever, <laughs> but a lot of us know better. What happens when people pass away and and you die with assets is people get weird. Um, people get feeling entitled and all of a sudden, I mean, that ugly kitchen, you know, silverware set that you had, those old, you know, dishes with the old rooster on them become something somebody wants emotionally, sentimental value for whatever reason, now people start to fight. So yeah, there's a lot of complications that homes can create. And I say, spell the thing out very clearly in your legal documents. But then also, we'll we'll talk to the family for people sometimes. And uh, this can be a, a good thing is to have a third party come in and just ask them some questions to clarify, hey, what do you want? And, and this is good to do if you can while you're alive. What do you want mm -hmm. out of our house? Is there anything specific that you would want to keep for sentimental reasons of mom and dad's collections, their knickknacks or antiques or out of the house? Right. What about the cottage and things like that? So you try to be as fair as you can, but um, the a lot of times these complications, if they're not addressed uh, in advance, they will- They get ugly keep, with families. Yeah. They, they will keep families apart. And you don't, the last thing you want is when you pass away is for your kids to never speak to each other again because of you know, oh, the old glass stuff, milk right. bottle yeah. or something. It's yeah. so, it's so ridiculous, yeah. but a lot of times our emotions get the best of us. And sometimes the sentimental value, people really do fight. They really do become estranged over money, over property that they felt entitled to. Mm -hmm. So I think having a good plan and then having it all spelled out is really good. And I'll give you this idea. My dad did this with my grandmother. Okay. Uh, he was in, he was in charge of the, her trust. And when they put the plan together, he set a video camera on the counter and they recorded mom's estate plan and they were on video. And I, I got to see this after grandma passed away and my dad had predeceased her. So it was kind of cool because both of them were on there. Oh, okay. Um, and we had a video and it just, we just played that video and he says, I got about 10 items here that we're going to talk about. And this is the way mom set this up and so-and-so can buy the farm and They've got life insurance on her to do that. And does anybody have any objections? There was two of the other trustees there. And then, mom, do you have any last words? And my grandma said, you kids have always gotten along. You've always been peaceable. And she says, I don't want any fighting. This is the way I want it. And she says, uh, this is the way it is. And I don't want you to fight <laughs> about it. And it was like, she just put the rubber stamp, boom. And 
it was done. And, and, and with the legal with, documents to back it up. With the legal documents to back it up. It yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I was sitting there with, because my dad had already been deceased. So I was sitting right. there with my aunts and uncles watching this video and they're in tears, but mom said the way that it was. You and go. you know what? They all get along to this day. And um, I thought that was the most brilliant thing ever is sitting there in front of the camera saying, this is the way we want it. Boom. And yeah. you had that, you had it all aligned in, in a document. I like so. that. Yeah, definitely. So just make sure you got that good estate plan in place when you're working with a financial professional. Again, as Matt said, he's not an attorney, but they work closely with other individuals to help kind of create that financial team or that retirement team, if you will. So working with a, a good elder law attorney and so on and so forth. And if you need some referrals or some help, definitely lean into that. One more, Matt, and then we're going to wrap it up this week. Reverse okay. mortgages. Good idea, bad idea. They're like annuities in the fact, in this way, and uh, let me finish that statement before somebody goes, what? They they get a bad rap, or they used to get a bad rap, but they've made a lot of changes. And they can be beneficial for the right situation. Yay or nay? Yeah, <laughs> for the right situation. I... I mean, like no heirs. Like if you've got no one to leave a house to. Yep. If so, what a re, what is a reverse mortgage? Okay. A reverse mortgage is basically you own your house free and clear, but you hire a company or you know you research. There's companies out there that will, in essence, value your home, and they'll say, okay, Mister, Mrs., uh, we'll give you X amount of dollars for the rest of your life. Um, for your home, they, right. they treat it like You're an tapping annuity. into the, the series of, of it. Yeah, equal payments, and when you pass away, um, we get your house, and uh, that that so that asset you you tie it up forever by, based on that. Now, for me personally, I don't love a reverse mortgage, okay. and the reason is if I own my house free and clear, and I need cash, I could just go get my own mortgage. You know, get a get an eighty percent loan to value. You avoid the principal and interest payments. And then if you die, you still got equity in the house. But again, you're, to your point, Mark, if you're single, you don't have any heirs necessarily that want the house. Or even kinda, one kid. I mean, like, again, we could use yep. me. Mine's in the Navy. She's planning on making a career out of it. Out of it. She may never uh-huh. come back home. And so she may, she's not sure if she would want it. So, I mean, we've got a number of years to go, but it's possible that you could use it as a way to tap into the equity to maybe fund your retirement uh, yes, and get is. some money out of it again. But it's got to be the right situation. So it, It's got to be the right situation. Definitely call us and, and get, get our opinion on it. But to your point too, if you didn't save enough for retirement, but you paid cash for everything over the years, mm-hmm. it might be, hey, I've got equity in my house. This is my biggest asset, and I'm going to take an income stream off it. And you know, when I'm gone, every last penny will be spent. <laughs> and I know that some of the newer ones now they do the kid like if you do have a child, or is this yep. in my example, she would have the first right to buy it back. She could buy it back in essence. But if she didn't want it, then it's theirs to sell, and then that's how they recoup their money. Yeah, right. So. And in today's society, a lot of kids move away. And mm-hmm. so they're not necessarily living in that area and don't want the house. So right. it, it could be an option. And then, of course, I think strategically when, when we talk about reverse mortgage, like, oh, well, if you know your kids don't want your property and you're there, um, you could use that reverse mortgage and and, and uh, if you're healthy, buy a life insurance policy on you to turn the money into cash. Yeah, there you go. Tax free, tax free cash to your kids and use that reverse mortgage to lot, pay the premium. But lots of strategies, just, right? I mean, but that's a I mean, lot of things you could do. Yeah, with I'm that, glad but. you said that because I mean, again, it kind of highlights the fact that there's just a lot of things you can do with that home, you know, and a lot of things to ponder. And that's why it's just so important, Matt, right? To have a strategy, to have a financial professional helping oh. you. Have counsel, yeah. You want to you want to have a series of 
advisors, you know, accountant, an attorney, you know, financial advisor. And it's best if we can all work together because we can really help your situation in ways that you don't think of. Yeah, a little dream team, if you will. So. The dream team. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So the Fab Five or whatever. <laughs> All right. So we better wrap this up. We've been going along this week, but that's some housing conversations. Definitely some, a big piece of that. So if you've got questions, as always, make sure you're checking with a qualified professional like Matt. Specifically, we talk in generalities. We try to keep it wide so everybody can get a you know a useful nugget or two of information as we're going through this stuff. But at the end of the day, you really want to sit down and talk about how it's going to affect you specifically and what's going on in your life. So before you take any action, always reach out to a qualified professional. Matt is an uh, an investment advisor representative and the owner at Great Lakes Retirement Solutions. So check him out online at greatlakesretirementsolutions.com. That's greatlakesretirementsolutions.com or give him a call at 989-401-2949. Hit the subscribe button on whatever podcasting platform app you like to use. A lot of times it's the heart button or whatever, the follow button, and you'll be all set. For Matt Starkey, I'm Mark. We'll see you next time here on Mondays with Matt. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.